Greetings, members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, your one-stop shop for the modern-day occultist. If you find yourself entertaining the possibilities of anything and everything when it comes to the great unknown, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we dive into what I like to call spiritual and psychological templates for living our lives, interpreting our lives, and creating change in our lives. Take what you like, toss what you don't, and remember that what we talk about on this podcast is just as far-fetched as the concept of any higher power. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Possibility Department podcast. If you are listening to just the audio of this wherever you listen to podcasts, um, since this is an interview, you can catch the video by joining my community over on Patreon. Um, Talk about Patreon all the time. We're doing a lot of stuff over there, so at least come check out what we're doing. And speaking of Patreon, I have to thank my sponsor level patrons. These are the guys on level three and level four who are really helping to support the department in becoming something bigger, badder, and better, I like to say. So thank you so much, Sydney, Brianna, Jewel, Amy, Susie, Mariella, Erica, Brittany, Ingrid, Faith, Tara, Myriad, Noel, Sarah, and Luna. Thank you so much for your support over on level three and level four. And a short announcement, level three is now open to new patrons. So if that's something you've been thinking about, hop in. We do, um, monthly group calls together and you get access to my entire meditation library, which you can preview now. So if you've been wondering what my meditations sound like, I'm always talking about them, head over to the library, it'll be linked below and uh, you can preview everything now. Also linked below are going to be all of the links to our guest today, Annabelle Gatt. Um, She's an astrologer and an author. She's the author of The Astrology of Love and Sex. Um, I'm going to be linking her book below and also her Patreon. And you will note in the interview, she talks about how this episode was supposed to come out on January 25th. I'm posting it early so that you have enough time to enroll for her course, Tarot for Lovers, which drops or begins on January 26th. So I'm dropping this early just for the purpose for you to have enough time to go check out her Tarot for Lovers course. She's going to take you through the tarot and talk about how all the cards relate to love. And as an astrologer, obviously, she intersects the two as far as symbology. So we talk about that a little bit. We also talk a little bit about um, fluidity, inclusivity, and just kind of the complexity of relationships and how that intertwines with astrology and how to use it as something that's beneficial to you to help you navigate without using it as something to bypass uh, bigger issues. So a lot of interesting conversations. I can't wait for you to hear this. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode with Annabelle Gatt. All right. Welcome to the Possibility Department podcast, Annabelle Gatt. Yay! Thank you for having me. Yes, I'm super excited to have you on. And I think that, well, the first thing I want to ask you about is something, you wrote a book, The Astrology of Love and Sex. And yeah, for those of you on video, she's holding it right now. Um, And in the first chapter, you said something that kind of jumped out at me or jumped out at me where you said that you don't believe in astrology and you put it in quotes where you said no I don't believe in astrology um, and that you use it as a tool and that's something that we talk about just a lot in the possibility department community is using things as templates and tools so 
I was wondering if you could kind of break that down for us, because that's super interesting to hear from an astrologer to put it that way. It's almost controversial. So um, I was wondering if you could break it down. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the question that everyone asks each other. Do you believe in astrology? Sometimes people will go on a first date and just as like a get to know you, they'll be like, oh, what's your sign? Do you believe in astrology? Yeah. So a lot of times when I tell people that I am a professional astrologer, I write horoscopes, I teach about astrology, I meet with clients, they're like, sometimes I'll get people asking like, wow, you believe in it? I believe in it too. Or they'll Mm -hmm. say, how could you believe in astrology? (laughs) You know, like I'll get one or the other. And the truth is that neither of them are really true because the thing is, first of all, I I am a really scientific person Mm -hmm. and I don't really... I don't want to say I don't believe in anything, but I am, but I, ha- I kind of accept that I, that there's plenty of things that my brain will never be able to wrap its mind, yeah. my mind around. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But I use astrology as a tool and it's been extremely helpful for me. So the belief part comes in where I believe that astrology has been helpful for me, but I don't necessarily believe that if I meet a Capricorn, that means that they're going to be obsessed with their career. You know? Oh, I see. So okay. I don't, I don't believe in it as like, this is, um, you know, I, I, it's, it's like when people say, you know, do, do you, um, trying to think of a good example here. Nothing is really coming to me, but I don't know. Do you, do you believe in your favorite TV show that you're watching? Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I believe the next season will probably be good, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I don't know. You know, like, it's like, I really enjoy being absorbed in it and it's been, yeah. and it's really been helpful for my like as a mental exercise and for me to understand myself and it's a really amazing language and framework to understand the world but it's not like but and the thing is it actually does intersect with my spiritual practice in a certain way but it's not because I worship the stars or any of the zodiac signs it's because my spiritual practices has a lot to do with just self-knowledge so absolutely anything whether it's reading a fiction book or um, going on a jog, or reading a horoscope, anything that that gets me closer to myself and understanding myself is inherently a part of my spiritual practice. So it's definitely an an extension of my spiritual practice because everything in my life is, Mm -hmm. but it's not something I believe in. Yeah, well, that was a great answer. So I guess you... You don't believe in the totality, like that it's the end all be all, like there's gaps for humans to be humans and to not just correspond with like all of the little traits of their signs. Is that kind of what you're saying? Definitely. And you just also jog something in my mind, which is really important to talk about that everything about astrology has been created by people. Yeah. You know, people came up with the whole concept of oh, hmm, Mars is doing something and we've observed that this seems to have something to do with war or arguing or something like that. Like this is a completely man-made system, which is awesome. It's really cool, but it's still just a man-made. People are meaning-making machines. We look for meaning everywhere. It's one of our most amazing talents. And astrology is one of the most incredible artifacts of human history because it's like, just for for hundreds and hundreds of years we've been finding meaning out of absolutely nothing it's really cool yeah so i think it's a really worthwhile study because of that but it's not necessarily a worthwhile study because it's like the truth about the universe it's totally human made and that's it's fun and i've thought of it from that perspective as well like what if it's 
a collective consciousness thing almost, you know, where we've been saying, like you said, with Mars and war, we've been saying forever and associating with war and kind of observing the transits and how that affects things. And what if it's like our collective consciousness where we're putting that meaning to it and therefore it creates that meaning for it versus the yeah. planet actually having some sort of like deity-like power? I well, find that like astrologers are kind of the most logical of the occult people. It's <laughs> Um, you know, what you're saying makes total sense. And I think anyone who has a practice in chaos magic will know that yeah. when you um, when you create a meaning for something that can duplicate itself. And it's, yes. it's, it's literally like it's it's a meme in the original yeah. sense of the word of of ideas replicating and spreading. Um, what's really interesting is that planets or asteroids or any kind of even hypothetical we have what's called hypothetical planets in astrology where we're there isn't anything there but we assume that there there is oh i didn't um, know that when you name something you give it its meaning yeah so yeah. pluto for example was is a recently discovered planet we the ancients didn't have pluto because there mm -hmm. weren't telescopes and Pluto was named after, uh, you know, Pluto is the lord of the underworld. It's, you know, the planet of like death and, you know, rebirth. And is Pluto Pluto because we named it Pluto? It's such be. a good question. Yeah, it, yeah. It really might be because when Pluto was discovered, you know, it's not like they were like, oh, this is the planet of death. So we're going to name it Pluto. That's definitely not what happened. They just mm -hmm. named the planet Pluto. So, um, you know, same with Uranus. You know, and Neptune, are they named this because, you know, what came first, the name or the meaning? Yeah. Yeah. The chicken or the egg. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and exactly. I often wonder if, like, all of the magic is kind of, I, we talk about this a lot just on Patreon and then also on my podcast in general. I often wonder if the entire magic is in the placebo effect itself. Like, I always wonder if everything I'm doing is like a giant sugar pill. But even if it is, I'm seeing so much transformation and change in my life that does it even matter if it's a sugar pill? You know what I mean? And I think that yeah. feeds in the chaos magic like you were talking about as well. Well, the way I like to describe it is that the universe and everything around us is like an adult playing peekaboo with a baby and we're the baby. Like we, I love that. we're like, oh my god, they vanished! Oh my god, they returned! You know, like a baby really thinks that when you hide behind something, that like, oh my god, you're gone, and then you show yeah. your face again, and they're like, oh my god, you're back! Yeah, like. Yeah. So I think definitely it's partly placebo, but I also think we just don't understand it. Right. You right. know, we think we're so smart, but in the you know eyes of the universe we're still infants and we are responding to things being like oh my god this happened you know like we're we're reacting to gravity like a child relaxed to reacts to a game of peekaboo and that's a great way to look at everything in general to have a child's mind anyways but that's yeah. a really beautiful way of of putting it um kind of shifting gears more towards your book i was wondering what maybe inspired you to write it um i know that i mean would you say that that's like one of the most common questions that people come seeking with their chart is love and relationships? And I know that also you did something with this book that was super needed where you kind of avoid gender in, in talking about relationships, which is something that like old school horoscopes did a lot, you know, like Aries man, Aries woman, which is really annoying because I'm just an Aries, you know, so you kind of avoid that topic and you come from a place that's more fluid. 
Um, so I was wondering, what was your inspiration? Like, what was the turning point to write this for people? So I'm really glad that you asked this question. The reason I wrote this book is because I love love. Oh. And over the course of studying astrology, what always, you know, lodges in my brain is little like, you know, I have these like tidbits about compatibility that I've just gained over the years of practicing. And I really wanted to compile it all into a book. And totally the most common thing people ask me is about love. Mm -hmm. But one of the reasons why I fell in love with astrology was because I loved Linda Goodman's book on compatibility called Love Signs. And oh. it was such an inspiring book to me. And I really liked the way that she wrote and everything. Um, but speaking specifically about gender and sexuality, I remember being a teenager at Barnes & Noble and going there with my friends and being like, oh, I love this book on compatibility. Let's read it. And I would open it up and I'm standing next to my one of my best friends who is a dude and he's gay. And it's like, you know, cancer man, Aries woman. And he's like rolling his eyes because yeah. he already thinks that astrology is really dumb. But it's also totally like, first of all, this book was written, I don't know if in the 60s or 70s, but it's just like completely outdated and like super offensive. It's not inclusive. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. also just the way that it's written, it's very, it's not feminist at all. So I remember feeling, um, you know, like embarrassed that I even like this book that can't even, that doesn't even include my friend in it. Yeah. And so with my book, it's not that gender sexuality isn't included or that it doesn't matter. It absolutely does. And mm -hmm. I think that there should totally be books that are, you know, just about, you know, gay relationships, just about, you know, even like relationships there's so many yeah. different kinds of relationships and there's a lot to explore in each one so I'm not I don't think we need to um I don't think we need to generalize everything but this is a book and I only had so much time to write it and so mm -hmm. many people that I could do so I was like all right with this book I want this to be an introductory book and I want it to be anyone regardless of their gender regardless of their sexuality regardless of whether or not they are in a committed relationship, whether or not they just want to date and be single. Like for example, not everyone wants to open a compatibility book and necessarily read about marriage, you right. know? Yeah. And also plenty of people are poly or um, have some sort of play together openness and they have a different approach, approach to relationships. People have so many different approaches to relationships depending on their gender, depending on their sexuality, um, and then also just depending on the sort of relationship um, format they prefer. So I think everyone should have books that are specific to those things. But since my book is super general and super introductory and it's for beginners, I wanted it to be that absolutely anyone could open the book and relate to it. So I, um, what's really funny is when I first started writing horoscopes in the mid 2000s, I'm sorry, the mid uh, 20, uh, 2010. So this was like in 2015. What's really funny is back then I, it was, it was like new or kind of unusual that I used they instead of she, her, because everyone oh, in the 2010s. Yeah, that would have been right. Yeah. Like everyone just assumed that horoscopes were for women. Mm -hmm. It was just so weird that I had to be like, like, like people would message me on social media and be like, Hey, I found your horoscopes. I'm a, I'm a guy. Can I read it? Oh my God. And I'm, and I'm like, yeah, you <laughs> yes, know, you and so <laughs> before I even published the first horoscope, I was like, all of these things are so heavily marketed towards women. I was mm -hmm. like, I don't want that. I'm only going to use they pronouns because yeah. I want, um, not because I want to, uh, 
it's it's just I want I want it to be um, I don't I don't want to immediately gender any of my pieces and make it be like oh this is just for women like that doesn't make any sense. Right. And the other thing I did was I'm not going to make this about monogamy because you know I'm not going to write you know oh there's a full moon in your seventh house so there's going to be a really big culmination of a situation that's been brewing in your relationship. I always right. say relationships because I want to be inclusive to anyone who might be reading this. Yeah, so that was the approach I took for my horoscopes, and that was the same approach I took with my book. I wanted to be as open ended as possible, so that when whoever baby Annabelle is today, who might be an astrologer later on in their life, when they go to Barnes and Noble, they're there with their friends, and they're standing around, and they have friends who are um, non-binary or friends who are gay. They're not going to open a book and see a bunch of like heterosexual like like super, um, uh, you know, gendered, like male, female relationship. Like, I don't want them to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Because that sucks. And not to mention when we talk about like male, female relationship, that brings along also all the connotations of, you know, what the male does in a relationship and what the woman does in a relationship. And even if you are in a male, female relationship and you both identify as such, your roles might be completely flipped you know, and, and so like, it it just doesn't make any sense. And so I think that was definitely a gap and something that we really needed. Um, Yeah. I mean, I will say that like gender is, is real, but it's mm -hmm. also really fluid. And I don't think it's my job as an astrologer to be like, if you're an Aries woman, that means X, Y, Z, because I don't think that that is, it hasn't, I haven't found that to be true in my practice. Yeah. 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 Well, also on the theme of kind of astrology and relationships, and this might be me projecting like my side of the occult world on yours, but I feel like recently I've seen a huge uptick in kind of like a a form of spiritual bypass, you know, people kind of like shoving down bigger things and kind of placing a band-aid of spirituality on it. Is there a way in which, especially with relationships, that you should be kind of like treading the line of using astrology as a tool and not using it as some form of bypass, you know, like saying like, oh, he's a Gemini, he's just like that, or anything like that? Have you seen anything like that on your side of the world, or is that just... Yeah, people definitely do that, and yeah. my advice is when you first start dating someone, don't even ask them what their sign is. Don't look at their chart. You don't need to know. Get, get to know them as a person, because the chart is going to have so much more to say to you anyway, once you actually know them, mm-hmm. once you understand them. So, for example, I never, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship now, but prior to being in a relationship, I never asked anyone I was dating what their zodiac sign was. This is for two reasons. First of all, I am an astrologer and they know that. So it makes it very intriguing to them. Why does this astrologer not care about my birth chart? So if you really like astrology and you really want to get someone very intrigued as as to why you're not curious, this is a a very playful, you know, I think that there's a little bit of I don't think we should play games in a negative sense, but I think mm-hmm. it's okay to be a little bit playful in that regard. You're adding a lot of mystery. But when it's flirty, why not? Yeah. It's flirty. You're, you're a witch and you're an astrologer and you, you haven't asked my birth time. You must be very different. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that already works to your benefit. The mm-hmm. second reason why is because I sincerely want to get to know them on a real level. That's and so interesting to hear from an astrologer that you you purpose, so you purposely will not want to know their birthday or their sign or anything like that, I guess, for... A certain period until you kind of felt like you've gotten to know them? Yes. Wow. 
sometimes you just accidentally find out what someone's birthday is because you're dating them and you look at their recent Instagram photos and you see one from two weeks ago and it was their birthday. So like Mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll end up, you'll just know, or it says it on their like Twitter bio and like, you're not even really looking for it, but you just simply see it. So that's, that's one thing. And that's normal. And a lot of times, um, when I meet someone because they know I'm an astrologer, they might show me their chart immediately without me even asking for it. And a lot of times I'll, I'll look at it just Mm -hmm. to be polite, but also just to engage with them but I won't necessarily like absorb what I'm seeing yeah yeah even in my relationships I I don't ask I wait a little bit I wait a little while and then when I feel um like I want I want astrology to be a fun part of my relationships so I usually bring it up when I know it's going to be like a fun conversation and it's not going to make the person feel like they're being judged or like they have to live up to something yeah so that's the other thing is that we also we just don't want to put we don't want to lump people into categories. We all have things about our chart that can be interpreted in a way that sucks because astrology again is made by people. Right. And we can only interpret the chart through our own experiences. So someone might see something in your chart and interpret it through their own lens that has really nothing to do with you. Right. And going back to your question about bypassing, yeah, that can totally happen. And I think that when we are patient with astrology and we don't rush things, we really try to get to know people, that definitely helps balance it out. I guess similar things could be said with tarot as well, right? I mean, absolutely. You know, created by people, kind of like windows into the human experience. And you might get, you could get two different tarot readings from two different readers with the same cards, but two like completely different interpretations so that's very true yeah I think that makes sense and as far as compatibility what would be the most important so let's say that you you know you have consent from you know the person you're in a relationship with and like you guys want to do this together and you pull up the charts what is the main thing that you should be looking at because I know that you've said in your book the whole like you, you are not your sun sign which I think everyone can appreciate we're more complex than that but even like the descriptors you give of the relationships between sun signs, you know, like I read, I'm an Aries and my partner's a Sag and I was reading what you wrote about kind of, you know, how (laughs) it was not to go into my personal life, but it was like such the picture of our relationship of like, the Aries wants to plan all the dates until the Aries doesn't want to plan the dates anymore, but Aries will tell you that they don't want to plan the dates, you know, and the Sag is kind of like, wants everything to be kind of like free with no itinerary and just that, just the sun sign already gave so much information. But in order to go deeper, are there any other like planets or placements that one should be looking at? In your own natal chart, what I'm always, so this is even before you're looking at someone else's chart. Mm -hmm. I'm always really interested to see what um, someone's Venus, Mars midpoint is, because that's going to talk a lot about um, flirtation and playfulness and, you know, you know, Venus is all about seduction and Mars is all about the chase. So their midpoint is sort of this middle point of like the seduction and the chase. So I always like to see what someone's midpoint is. Mm-hmm. And I don't, we, it's exciting to meet someone who has placements that are conjunct that midpoint, but the person doesn't even need to have placements that are conjunct or aspect to the midpoint. Simply if you are undergoing transits that stimulate that midpoint, you could still meet someone great. So that's the other thing to think about is that compatibility isn't just about your birth charts. Mm-hmm. It's also about the transits. Oh. Because if you're, if you're going through the right planetary transits, you could, it's really interesting the kinds of people you'll really hit it off with. It's right. very, very complex. And I think a lot of times with astrology, you sort of have to work backwards. 
if you know that you have an amazing relationship with someone and the reason why it's amazing is because you both share this really specific hobby and a specific type of sense of humor, you take a look at what's going on with your 11th house. Take a look at what's going on with your Mercury. Um, because we're, we're looking at that sort of thing where it's like, oh wow, you guys share this like same really exciting hobby and same like intellectual pursuit. Let's see what's happening there. It's really going to help illustrate it. So sometimes working backwards is the best way to go because as you're working backwards, you will find those aspects or those placements and that will teach you so much more than looking at the chart and making assumptions about what the relationship could be. Anyway, I'm not sure I'm answering your question. So yeah, we want to take a look at Mars Venus midpoint. I'm also always really curious to see what's going on with someone's fifth house, the planets that are in the fifth house and the fifth house ruler, because the fifth house is all about making love, creativity, fertility, having fun, um, celebrating life, joy. And then also the seventh house, the seventh house is the house of relationships. So you want to see what planets are in the seventh house, what planets rule the seventh house, what sign is there. So, so for example, if you're in Aries with Aries rising, then we know that perhaps Leo placements or Sagittarius placements are, are going to activate these sectors of your chart that have to do with relating and having fun. So meeting someone who has placements there um, and that light up that sector of your chart is going to be exciting for you possibly. But the thing is, even if you meet someone and you don't see that stuff off the bat, you need to follow your instinct because there's something there. You just don't see it yet. You know, yeah. keep exploring it. Don't look at, don't, if you have a huge crush on someone and you're looking at the chart and you're like, oh, I can't make sense of it don't try to make sense of it with the chart. Just keep getting to know them because as you continue study to a, studying astrology, you will learn so much more about astrology and you'll learn so much more about the person and it's all going to come together. So there are some like cookie cutter answers I can give. Like I love the Venus Mars mis midpoint. I love looking at the fifth house and the seventh house, mm -hmm. but there's so much more to that. And for example, I can think of plenty of relationships I've had where the Venus Mars midpoint was really strongly activated, but I can think of somewhere it wasn't at all and those were just as romantic just as exciting you know just as special maybe yeah. even lasted longer you know so it's each one is really unique but Mars and Venus are really important planets, but so is the moon. The moon is what makes us feel safe and comfortable. So I love looking at the chemistry between the moons and also um we can blend two charts together and get like a composite chart. So there's so many different ways to go. My suggestion, suggestion to anyone studying astrology is to just take it one step at a time yeah. and don't look at the charts first, look at your relationship first and think about maybe um, if there's something in your relationship that's really working, reflect on what planets that might be. And if there's something that's not working, think about what planets that might ref reflect. So for example, let's say there's a lot of arguing. When we think about arguing, we're thinking about Mars. So we want to see what's going on with your Mars, what transits are taking place for your Mars. So for mm -hmm. example, if you're in Aries, the second half of 2020 was really hard because um, Mar Aries is ruling planet. Mars was either in its pre-retrograde period or it was retrograde or it was in its post-retrograde period. So there was just a lot of, um, you know, angst or difficulty or anything like that. So you also, first of all, just want to look at your chart, take a look at your ruling planets. Um, and you just want to take it step-by-step step, super slow. I love that answer because it allows for just like the depth of human experience. You're not just looking at a chart, like a set of numbers or like an Excel spreadsheet. And to work your way backward, I mean, 
that sounds like so revolutionary from <laughs> from anything I've ever read on the internet. You know, I'm I'm kind of obviously I'm an astrology newbie, but I've been like looking into this stuff since I was a teenager and there's not a lot out there that really like allows for that depth and that complexity of the human experience and like what they're experiencing in that moment too with those transits and like how that affects the other person. And so I mean, I think this is a perfect segue into some of our um, Discord questions, if you want to answer those. Yeah. Um, so for those of you listening, I have a Discord community on Patreon, and I told them I was interviewing Annabelle. Um, and I didn't talk about, um, I'm going to leave everyone anonymous because I'm not sure if they want to be known or not. But the first question is, I would love to hear about the timing of meeting for compatibility. Does meeting someone at a certain time, like the stars aligned, impact starting a relationship? And is there an astrological way to assess if a relationship has run its course? So, yes, the, when you meet someone is absolutely going to have an impact because if someone's having great transits that day, they're going to, that, that is going to be different than if they're having really hard transits that day. Right. And there's two ways we can answer this question. First of all, if you are going to meet someone for the first time, let's say you met them on a dating app, you can elect the right time to meet them. You can you do something called electional astrology where you take a look at, let's see, we can either meet on Friday or Saturday. Friday, it looks like the moon's going to be doing this. Saturday, it looks like it'll be doing this. Let's see which one is better. So first of all, you can even, you can use astrology to elect a time that is astrologically more favorable. Hmm. Um, but that also opens up all kinds of questions like the belief in astrology. Do you believe that will even, you know Make what I difference. mean? Like, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to explore here. Um, so the second half of the question, uh, is there an astrological time to see when um, a relationship runs its course? Yes and no. Potentially, um, if you, something you could do is take a look and see by, uh, take a look at your progressions and your partner's progressions and see when aspects are, have perfected and when they have fallen out of aspect with each other based on how the planets have progressed. But the thing is that when planets are done aspecting each other, they might go on to aspect another planet. Mm -hmm. So just because the aspect is done by progression doesn't mean it's over because it might start aspecting some something else so it might just right. be either a change in the relationship because, but, but this can be a change for the better mm -hmm. um there are some really basic astrology 101 things that could come into consideration here for example mars or saturn crossing the descendant or entering the seventh house cusp um that might signify an end to a relationship however plenty of people have relationships that endure these aspects and might even improve because of them. So um, we might predict when things could be more difficult or choppy or when really great changes can be made, but I personally wouldn't look at a chart and say, mm, they're gonna go through a breakup yeah. unless the person tells me, I really feel like I need to break up. I, I wanna, I feel like I gotta do it before the, the year ends. Do you see it happening? If I see that you know Mars is gonna enter the person's seventh house and they're saying they wanna break up with someone the next month, then I might say, well, it looks like Mars is entering your seventh house on this date. So yeah, let's see. see what happens then. But I'm not necessarily going to say, yes, that will be when it ends. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, and then the other question we have is, 
Well, I'm just going to read it word for word. It says, I'm wondering about business charts. Is there something like a relationship chart for you and your business? Like maybe a relationship chart that you can see how your business is going to be challenging or where it will help you grow. Absolutely. So this really? is where electional astrology comes into play, where you can elect the time that you start your business mm -hmm. and you want to elect a chart that works well with your own natal chart. But let's say you already launched the business and you haven't done it already. Everything has a birth chart. So the moment you sign papers, there's the birth chart for the thing. The moment you launch something, that's the birth chart. The, if your party starts at 7 p.m. on a Friday, that's the birth chart for the party. So yes, you can absolutely look at the birth chart for your business and compare it to your own natal chart for sure. And the sectors of the chart you're going to be interested in are the second house of earned income, the sixth house of daily work and your schedule and routine, eighth house of money that you share with other people and your debts and taxes and that sort of thing, money that people might be investing into you that you might owe to them later. Um, and then, of course, the 10th house, which is our career with a capital C. It's our fame, um, our legacy, what people know us for. So there's those things are going to come into consideration. That's super interesting. I wasn't expecting you to answer that, that like, yes, that's something you can do. So I, I think I'm going to have to do that for my own business now. That sounds super yeah. cool. And um, the other thing I want to say is that if you don't like your business's birth chart, you can relaunch it. People rebrand all the time. That's true. There's always the opportunity for a fresh start, I guess. Always. Um, so I would love for you to tell us about, well, maybe to tell us a little bit about the relationship that you found between astrology and tarot. And then I know that you're, you're redoing your class, right? Tarot for astrologers. If you could talk about that a little bit as well. Yes. So tarot for astrologers is probably going to come back at the end of this year. So watch this space. And um, my next class is going to be tarot for lovers. But because I'm an astrologer, astrology always comes into my tarot practice. No matter what, what tarot class you take with me, I'm going to be talking about astrology a lot. Right. So um, every card in the tarot deck relates to either an element, a planet, a zodiac sign, or in the case of the minor arcana, they all have um, – they are all ruled by a planet and a sign except for the aces, which are, which are elemental, and the court cards, which are also elemental. So, you know, ast astrology is littered throughout the tarot, mm -hmm. and if you have um, an understanding of astrology, then that is a doorway into understanding tarot because you could take what you know about astrology and apply it and vice versa if you understand tarot then you can take that some of that knowledge too because all of these things are, are they all correspond to each other yeah that's the amazing thing about the occult is that there are all of these correspondences if you understand a little bit about numerology even though astrology isn't numerology you know if you understand a bit about numerology and you understand the concept of like a a circle and it's 360 degrees, that is going to help you with wrapping your mind around astrology. And same with the tarot. Tarot is all numbers. So all of these things are all interrelated. So um, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, they're all connected. And if you're listening to this episode, which I believe comes out on January 25th, yes, my tarot for lovers class starts tomorrow, January 26th. 
So, you know, contact me right away or go to my website, annabellegat.com slash work with me, and you will find a, the registration for my Tarot for Lovers class, which starts on Tuesday, January 26th, and is five weeks long. It's on Zoom. It's live, but it's also going to be recorded. And I'm going to go through each and every tarot card and tell you what it means for your love life. So if you pull a card and you're like, I have no idea what this means about whether or not my crush is interested in me. It's the seven of pentacles. What could that possibly be? What could this possibly have to do with love? Every card has to do with love. And we're going to go over each and every card and what it means for breaking up, making up, uh, you know, kink, intimacy, you know, whether or not your crush is into you, all of it. So, um, it's going to be really good. And obviously you have to be over 18 because we're going to be talking about intimacy. Yes. I can only imagine that that's got to be really enriching to make all of those connections between astrology and the tarot. And just like really quickly, this is more of like a selfish question, but which did you find first? Was it astrology or tarot? And when did they intersect like that? Because that's kind of (laughs) cool. You know, I, I had a tarot deck before I had my own first astrology book, but I grew up in a home that loved all, all topics of all spirituality. Like I just grew up in a well, house that was filled, yeah, it was awesome. filled with books about every religion, you know, like, and uh, uh, my parents loved talking about philosophy and spirituality. So we just had everything in the, in, in the home. So, but I had, I got my first tarot deck i believe for my birthday in fourth grade along with an alanis morissette cassette tape jagged little pill yes and (laughs) smashing pumpkins uh uh melancholy and the infinite sadness those two cassette tapes and a rider weight tarot deck you were wait you were in fourth grade when you got this again that's so badass that's awesome so I know it sounds like it's really badass, but something I really want to implore all of my listeners to remember is that when you were a teenager, all of you were really cool. Or I mean, not teenager, preteen. Like yeah. those preteen years when you're first discovering what kind of music you like and you don't really care about whether or not you're cool or you fit in. Those are the witchiest years for many people because That's you're true. still young enough where you have this big, wild imagination. You're still playing in the woods. Everything still kind of has like a magical glare on it, but you're learning about what kind of music you like and like where you fit in and what you like doing. And for me, one of those things was I loved tarot and I loved astrology. So after fourth grade, during that summer vacation, towards the end of the summer, I remember it was the weekend that Princess Diana died. I got my first astrology book. And it was a book about the Aries personality and I'm an Aries. And when you're that young, when you're a preteen, you really want to, you're finding your identity and you're figuring mm-hmm. out who you are. So it was so exciting to me to be like, oh, I'm an Aries. What does this mean for me? And I remember getting that book and just being so excited. So I guess technically I found tarot first, but I studied astrology more in depth first. Um, and then I sort of rejected my interest in both of those things as I became a little bit older because I got really interested in politics and um, I felt like I couldn't approach the world. Like, for example, um, you know, uh, a woman's right to choose is extremely important to me. It's really important for for me to defend Roe versus Wade. And if people's argument against it has to do with spirituality and, you know, religion, and if it's religion that religion that's policing people's bodies, then how can I believe in something like an astrology, astrology, because it's so important for me to 
be scientific and, and to protect people's rights. Yeah. But then as I got a little bit older, I realized that they're really that it might seem like there's that dichotomy, but that wasn't really so and that I could be both. So once mm-hmm. I discovered that I could be a feminist and a scientist and an occultist, then I really was able to return to myself, if that makes sense. So um, then I, you know, got really into astrology and tarot. Um, and I have to say that it was really my love of astrology that really helped unlock the tarot for me. Mm-hmm. Because once I really understood all of the tarot correspondences with astrology, that was when I really got it. Because it was hard for me to just memorize the meanings of the cards. It was like instant for me to memorize the astrological associations. And once I did that, I was like, okay, boom, I, I got it. And also, yeah. I eventually joined a uh, mystery school and got really into the occult. And part of my occult practice was having a meditation practice with the tarot where I just gazed into a card and then would journal about it and just would really invite the card to manifest itself into my life. And I just really got an embodied experience of working with the tarot through doing that. So um, astrology really unlocked the tarot for me, but also just having um, a journaling and meditation practice with it did too. Wow. That's a really amazing story and such a cool progression of like how it came to be. Um, So Annabelle has graciously offered to pull a card for us for the collective. So anyone who's listening to this, this is for all of us. This is for you. And she's going to pull a tarot card for us. All right. So I'm using the Usi Pagan Otherworlds Tarot. This is the box for it. It's one of my favorite decks. I use it all the time. Here's just one card that was on the top. It's the Chariot card. It's such a beautiful deck. Oh, wow. So let's just pull a card for the collective. What should we all be reflecting and meditating on? Wow. The Queen of Swords. Ooh. The Queen of Swords is always being chased by the paparazzi. (laughs) She is really cool. Um, she is just like, you want to talk about an influencer? She's got millions of followers and she hardly even posts. Like (laughs) her, her engagement is like just off the charts and she's not even trying. It's just that she's so effortlessly cool. Um, and she's very in touch with her emotions and isn't afraid to express them at all. She has so much confidence about how she feels and she isn't afraid or ashamed of her feelings. And she knows the power that emotion has and how you can inspire people with your feelings and that being, um, and that, yeah, that emotions are nothing to be ashamed of and nothing to run from. So I think the message that this card has for the collective is that you are extremely cool you have a lot to share. You have a lot to show off. You have every reason to be confident. You have every reason to believe that people want to engage with you and that you have every right to your feelings and that your feelings are not going to be your downfall. They don't make you a weak person. They actually make you a stronger person. Oh my God. I almost like teared up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that was hitting me. Um, beautiful. Thank you so much, Annabelle. I would love if you could tell um, everyone listening on Patreon and on the podcast where we can find you and about your new Patreon, which I'm a proud patron of. The podcast is awesome. Yeah. So if you want to tell everyone about that and where we can find you. Well, my website is AnnabelleGat.com. 
And uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. At Twitter, I'm at Annabelle Gat underscore. And on Instagram, I'm at Annabelle Gat. And then my Patreon is patreon.com slash Annabelle Gat. I'm doing a half hour show, uh, audio show, so podcast each week for my patrons. And I would love it if you all would join. I love podcasting. I love doing audio. I love talking. And for the most part, I am talking about the astrological transits, but I'm sure I'm also going to talk about other things like tarot and herbalism. And I'm really interested in uh, symbology and psychology and fairy tales and storytelling and also just like social commentary and stuff like that. Um, so please join me on Patreon. And of course, I also teach a lot of classes, which I always post about on my Instagram and my Twitter and my website and everywhere else. So. Um, yeah, please come join me. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Annabelle. This has been- Thank you for having me. Super illuminating. So thank you. Oh, one more thing. I also have my book, The Astrology of Love and Sex, and I have a book that's coming out next spring about the moon. So please keep an eye out for that <gasps> What? As well. Oh my God, that's so exciting. Okay, thank cool. You. So everything will be linked below for those of you listening. And thank you so much, Annabelle. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was super enjoyable to sit with Annabelle and to chat about all of these things. I'm a proud patron of her Patreon, so I hope you'll come join me and listen to her podcast and join the community over there. And um, I hope you check out her other links, her book and her new course. Definitely get in soon because it's, it's starting soon. So thank you for being here with me today and stay mysterious. <laughs>